0: Do you remember last week when I was talking about building wealth and I said to you that you were, you know, going to have to get a job and some other stuff? Well, I do remember that. And this week I am coming back at you with part two of my series entitled Build Wealth Like an Ant, part two, store provisions in autumn, aka save and invest. So I remember promising myself surreptitiously back when when I spoke to you last, someday I'll record a second part to that series about building wealth like the proverbial ant written about in the ancient scrolls in the Middle East. That was a golden day and a daring vow, but I have come to you today to fulfill on that vow. Thanks for always making good on your word, me. Well, most of the time. So are y'all ready for a good old-fashioned finance lesson? i'm jonesing for one myself i can't wait for one so here we go let's say there's two ants both out working hard like diligent anthropomorphic students of king solomon but these ants aren't doing the same thing with what their hard work produces that is where things are going to get wild okay ant number one let's call him cornelius Gathers bits of leaves and such, and he puts them in a big pile outside the old anthill. Can you picture it? Okay. Ant number two. His name is Woodrow. He does the same day labor, but he's found a repository for his tidbits. You see, every day Woodrow has a deal with the beetles. They add seven leaf bits to his pile for every hundred he drops off. Why would they do this for Woodrow? Woodrow. Because, my friend, the Beatles are lending Woodrow's foraged forest fortunes out and making money off of them in doing so. So they're more than happy to share their profits with Woodrow. Cornelius and Woodrow do the same amount of work for the same wages. But after 20 years, these ants are really into intermittent fasting and the latest longevity trends. They listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast So after 20 years, Woodrow, who is earning a return on his pile, has 4,387 leaf bits. But Cornelius only has 2,000 leaf bits. Who's the drip now, Cornelius? Yeah, that's what I thought. Now, which ant's progeny, as some ants may have up to 150 million babies over a lifetime, did you know that, do you think is better set up for college and a new home when they get married? Duh, it's Woodrow's. You know it. So many weddings. So very many weddings. So consider Woodrow's ways, gentlemen, for he understands a simple principle called compound interest. You guys have heard me talk about it before, and that is one of the focuses of what we're going to talk about in this here podcast today. That's the full story behind Proverbs 6, 8. Last time when I talked about the importance of working hard, uh, i.e. working a job while it's summer, that's good and important. But if you follow that advice, something crazy is going to happen to you. You're going to earn some money, either as an employee or working for yourself. This is a significant uh, thing. So celebrate, go get yourself some white corn tortilla chips and eat them. But At the point of making money, you, my friend, are only halfway done with the task of storing up provisions. The second half of this equation is put that hard earned money that you've made in a place where it can grow because we, like we also covered last episode, are going to be working for a good long while and it really matters where the money sits when it sits for a good long while. So how about an example? Okay, I'll talk in human money terms this time instead of leaf bits. So what if starting at age 25, you could save $100 per month for 10 years and then you were completely finished saving until you retired at age 65? Or you could wait and start saving $100 per month when you were 35 and then keep saving $100 every single month until you turn 65. Let's say that you can earn 10% returns on your money. Either way, because we like nice round numbers. Okay, that's 10 years of saving early versus 30 years of saving late. Do you dig? Okay. If you were the guy who saved early and stopped, you would have $357,433 at retirement. But the late saving method would leave you with only $226,000, even though you spent an extra 20 years saving. So when it comes to building wealth, Budgeting is critical. We've covered that ad nauseum here. Hard work and wise choices are key. Mm-hmm. But there is no variable that can increase your financial assets with as much force as, you got it, time. The sweet nectar of time. So lest you think this only applies to the technical world of stocks and bonds, where you might expect to earn a 7 to 8% return over a long period of time, let's talk about the effect of time on another kind of asset. How about rental properties? How about rental properties? Well, for most major metropolitan areas, you will need to take a 30-year mortgage out on a property to make it cash flow. And even if you happen to live in a place where this isn't true, shout out to all my Ohio friends, you'll soon find that the wise use of debt can turbocharge your returns when it comes to real estate investing. Well, those homes that are slowly building your family's wealth as you pay down the mortgage don't make you much richer for quite a while after you've started operating them as rentals. Perhaps you buy a rental house and take a $250,000 mortgage. If you grab a 4.5% interest rate, did you know that you still owe more than $200,000 after 10 years of making payments on that home? Factoring in a 2-3% annual gain in the home's value and the occasional dud tenant who steals your fridge and vanishes after skipping a few months' rent Yeah, this is a true story. I've been a landlord, and they found my tenant, but it was too late. He had already absconded with my fridge. Um, Despite all that, real estate is a slow grind that pays dividends to the man who invests early and enjoys the impact of time on his investment. 30 years in, when those properties are paid off and fully rented, you're sitting on some serious assets. I'm not going to lie, guys. I'm open to a big... uh, sitting on your big fat assets joke here. I I haven't got one, but if anybody is listening and would like to send one in, call us on the hotline. Okay, well, you say with that same smug and smarmy voice that Woodrow often adopts, I don't buy stocks and I don't own rental homes. And you know why? Because I'm too busy setting up my family business, online businesses with no overhead. So I guess I nailed it, right? Whoa, slow down, bro. Okay, let's do talk about investing money in a family business. As I see it, there's a few types of business ventures that guys in my circles get excited about. Number one, the trade. So these guys have acquired a skill and they're ready to sell their time. Maybe it's general contracting or plumbing, web design or SEO optimization, whatever. They've mostly worked for others and they see that the boss is billing a whole lot more for their time than they see on their own paychecks. So they strike out on their own. They either work their fannies off for a period of years to develop a reliable base of clients or they're constantly stressed about the source of their next meal. The ones who are successful, much like our real estate and stock investor, put in years of, you guessed it, time to create the goodwill that now powers a business that makes naive onlookers say things like being a plumber is a better option than going to college. The ones who aren't successful usually jumped in with too small a time frame in mind and had to skip the building phase to try and make a quick buck. This will be true for every business type, but desperately needing money today is not a recipe for business success. That's a free pro tip. Okay, business type number two, the startup. So you've created an amazing social network for dogs and you can't wait to pitch your new concept to all the happening venture capitalists that Silicon Valley has to offer. Once funded, you're ready to lease office space. You've already picked out the ping pong table where your developers will piss away half the hours you're paying them for so that they can make your unicorn come to life. Stories like Instagram and Uber have you dreaming that your idea can become the next big thing. Side note, my dear brothers, how I wish nobody ever fancied being the next big thing. But I must remind you that big venture capital funds, the guys who are ostensibly the best at picking winners and coaching them to success, they plan on 1 out of every 10 investments to even be profitable. And they invest in, on average, 2 out of every 100 companies that they look into. These odds are not great. 1 in 500 so far. So that's people who have an idea, get it off the ground, and put something in together to pitch. So further, if you do manage to drum up some investment, even if it's only from your friends and family, you can bet that your investors will want to see your own neck on the line in the form of your life savings. So despite its ability to turn a dweeb into the CEO of Facebook, and yes, that really did happen, the startup path is possibly the least secure road to building wealth. We can even make the statement that it's not a plan. It's a lark and a dream and a wish that almost never comes true. And for those rare lotto winners who do make it through the gauntlet, almost all of them can point to a serious investment of time and money and effort as the key ingredients to their success, not a whiz-bang idea. Those, I'm sad to report, are everywhere. Killer ideas are a dime a dozen. Okay, last one, the side hustler. So this guy works his job, but he's sure that the real money is going to rain down on his family when his side hustle takes off. I'm not talking about the noble father who takes an Uber shift during lean times to cover the electricity bill. All hail that dude. I'm talking about the short attention span serial side hustler who likes to hop from one hobby hustle to another, pretending that they're real businesses when they've yet to generate a month's rent. This guy usually ends up learning a whole lot of useful things, like how to throw an axe, how to sew shoes, but until he commits much like the startup wisher above, and puts his neck on the line and goes all out after a proven idea, he's mostly just pretending. You see, building a successful business takes sustained effort over long periods of time, and most of us just can't swing that with the leftovers after working a job, parenting children, and leading families. Before you get too wound up about my seeming like a big negative pile of poo-poo, re-business ownership... And I have to admit, I do seem to have a bit of a negative attitude towards this stuff today. Let me provide some personal context. Okay, In the past two years, I have, number one, jettisoned a very high-paying job to start a business, which, like all businesses that are brand new, began by making zero dollars. Number two, I've helped lead a startup that raised $40 million of venture capital investment, so I'm all for startups, and I'm all for entrepreneurship at any level. And lastly, I've grown a side hustle that eventually became my full-time job, which is very similar to a trade in that there's a lot of folks like me out there hanging their shingle as financial planners. So I say that just to tell you I'm not opposed to business ownership. Perish the thought, okay? And I do believe that it is one of the best tools for building wealth. I am, however, here to tell you that whichever path you take, and they're all very viable for the right situation you need to be thinking like the ant in this area too. Many of the loudest voices in our culture want to paint a picture of business ownership like it's just a matter of scraping together six months of hustle and grit and then it's a rainbow of cash and personal freedom. You know what makes for a much firmer foundation when you're setting off to start a business? It's the stuff you were socking away early on while you worked and earned. You know, your savings money. You starting a business with a solid business plan and two years' worth of living expenses in the bank will terrify your competitors far more than any degree of hustle or clever social marketing that you might come up with. That is the real deal, guys. If you save early and often and take cues from our friend Woodrow the Ant, you can build runway for all kinds of endeavors. Those endeavors should help you jump your family to the next level of economic freedom and influence, whether it's business or investments. But my boy, if you try to skip the earlier stage of faithful work and the spending, saving, and giving that goes with it, your time in the next level will be short-lived. You will be like Mercury, flying too close to the sun with his waxen wings. So like I said, I like to think about all these things as compounding interest. You hope to compound your diligence with more diligence, your saving with more saving, and work with more work. Yes, this may mean that you're stuck in a job that you don't love right now for a little bit longer, but you find a way to work your budget so that you can stick, take a deep breath, the full $19,000 limit into your employer's 401k plan. Or you may be working towards starting a business venture, so you place that money in a safe short-term investment like a CD or money market fund while simultaneously opting to drive cheap cars and live in a lesser apartment. Because you know that time is more important than just about anything when it comes to achieving your financial goals, etc, etc. You get the idea. Don't bail out from the faithfulness you've begun to pursue to go chase a short-term fantasy. Whatever it is that you've got your eyes on, I want you guys to hear me encouraging you to play for the win and sacrifice now, like Woodrow, that you may end up putting them dollars to work in the service of your vision, your family, and your king right away. So until next time, I'm Mark Parrot and this is Abraham's World.